It is. We've been just having a good time. This fast has been, uh, and I've done a lot of fasting over my 20 years of, of walking with the Lord, but this one has just been different. It, well, every time I enter a fast, it, it just seems to be different. We enter into fast for different reasons, but I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do through our obedience. And like I said last week, don't expect the miracles all on day 21. Maybe some of you have already been experiencing some things in your life, and, and that is incredible. But just know that your obedience will be responded to by the Lord. It always is. I've entitled the season, if you will, of fasting uh, expectancy. The Lord put on my heart real early that we should be expecting some great things from the Lord. And, and there's a great expectancy in my spirit. I, I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm desperately hungry and thirsty for a move of God in my life and in the life of our church and in the life of our community. I'm crying out for restoration for our community. I'm crying out for our leaders. I'm crying out for those, our police officers and, and our fire department and, and all the people that protect our safety and, and watch over our community. I'm, I'm praying that there would be a great revival stirring. And, and the more and more I get connected with Metro, the more and more I'm seeing presence of the Lord. There's a lot of Christian metro officers, and we're being connected, and God, God is connecting Grapevine with that, and I'm excited about that. And I mentioned this, uh, I think it was Wednesday night, but there are 700 jobs being opened this year through Metro. So if you're a, a young man or woman, and you're looking for a career start, maybe you, you always thought, I always wanted to be a cop when I was a kid. I mean, all little boys, they want to be an Indian or a cop, right? And the Indian thing wouldn't really work out for me, cop thing didn't work out for me the first time I got arrested. They said, that's probably not, probably not a good idea. Uh, but, you know, inspire. If you have a dream to like that, and it's not necessarily just police officers, 700 jobs means 911 operators, secretaries, everything within the department. So uh, I was told to get your applications out there, start filling out the resumes, online application, whatever that looks like. And uh, if that's what God's plan for your life is, what a great career move that could be, huh? Nobody wants to be a cop. I, I got no response there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you do. I was thinking about you Wednesday night when I made that announcement. You were, you were working, so I didn't get a chance to tell you. But those things I talked about, about my heart being desperate, about, about wanting these things for our community, is that what you want as well? Amen. But you want our community to experience a real move of God, to really, to really feel the impact of the kingdom? on their lives, amen, like you and I did upon our day of salvation, I was impacted deeply. Man, I was moved and I was changed. I was so, so radically changed by the presence of God. I am not the same man that I used to be, amen? I, I, I don't even look the same. You can ask my kids. I got some old driver's license, man. I look like a hoodlum like I was. And, and God, God cleaned me up from the inside out. He did, and he'll do that for anybody. But since coming to Las Vegas... I have sensed a tugging on my heart where, where I hear the Lord saying, I, I want to come into the, to the darkness of the valley. I want to I come in and bring this great light that will, that will break the bondages off the hearts of the people in our community. You know, that light is Jesus. He is the light of the world. Do you want that too? Man, I pray and I hope that's what you want. I really do. That's the kind of church that, that I want to be a part of, whether I'm pastoring or not. I want to be a, a part of a church. I want to go to a church where people want God to do something crazy, amen? Yeah. Ha, have you read this book? Yeah. God does crazy, amen? 
And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still does crazy. I mean, take a look at me. Hallelujah. You guys are warming up. You'll get there. <laughs> you know what I call? You know what I call that? I call that real revival. That's what I call real revival. When when God begins to to shake the fabric of of my spirit, the fabric of our church, and the fabric of our community. That's real revival. And that's the order in which it happens. And that's what I want to talk to you today, real revival. What is the definition of revival? This is in your notes. Revival is a return to life, to recover to life. So in other words, for something to be revived means it had to be alive at one time already. You can't be revived if you weren't alive already. Amen? Before you and I came to Jesus Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. I was on my way to hell and it was only going to take an intervention of God and the Holy Spirit that was going to change my life and put me back on track with Him. Somewhere along the way, many Christians have lost their zeal. They've lost their joy. They've lost their hope. They lost their first love. Can I be honest with you? I'm a little bit heartbroken this morning. Just during the announcement time, people were more excited about the Super Bowl than they were about a revival. And that, that breaks my heart a little bit. Because I think that if our priorities were right, and we really, everything you've been shouting me down about already, I, I think if that was really true in our hearts, we'd be shouting louder for the possibility of a move of God through a revival service than, than any old Super Bowl. Amen. I really believe that. And so I'm a little grieved, and, and I just want to be transparent with you and tell you that, that I'm thinking about that. I'm, I'm praying about that as I'm even ministering this word because I want a church that really wants revival. We can't just say it. We have to believe it in here. It has to stir us to our core. I'm excited about the Super Bowl. I'm excited about eating wings. We'll be done with our fast. I'm going to eat all the wings. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. But I am more excited to be eating the fruit of the Spirit the weekend before that. Amen? I mean, God might mess us up so much that weekend that we won't even want to eat again. I don't know. Maybe we'll go back on a fast. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying. The Lord ain't put that on my heart. Everybody's like, oh, no, run before he says it. <laughs> so revival isn't for the unsaved. Revival's for you and for me. It's a time to revive the things in our lives that have been lying dormant for a season or for a long season. We're in desperate times and we need to become desperate people, desperate for a move of God. Desperation cries out. Desperation disciplines themselves like we've been doing the last two weeks, fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. That shows God that you're serious, that you're desperate for his move. Yesterday, we were walking around downtown Summerlin, and man, you can smell the burgers, and it was hard. And Ashlyn just kept talking about blue cheese burgers, and I'm like, you're killing me, girl. Please be, I rebuke you, Satan. Get thee behind me. And then I looked at her, I said, you know what? No, no. Talk all you want to, because I'm disciplining myself. It's reminding me what it is I'm doing. 
Every time I crave something that I, that I can't have during this fast, it's a reminder that I'm seeking God for a move of God. I am tired of status quo. And listen to me, Grapevine ain't status quo. How many of you visited some other churches? There's some status quo church. Grapevine is anything but status quo. But I am not satisfied even with where we are today, amen? I am ready for a move of God in my life. I'm ready for a move of God in this church. I'm praying for a revival. But what our nation really needs is a renewing of their heart, their mind, and their soul, and to turn back to God. Listen, that turning needs by the church. That turning back to God needs to start here. Revival starts with you personally and with this church corporately before it will ever spread to our city. And not just this church. There's other churches who are preaching similar messages, I'm sure, because the Spirit of God is moving. That's why I asked you guys to pray for revival for our church during the fast. Leonard Ravenhall, he wrote a book. It's called When Revival Tarries. Do you think revival might be tearing a little bit? He says, no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. It begins in prayer. Revival begins in prayer and fasting. Prayer is the missing power in the church today. I'm so glad the Lord stirred my heart about our corporate time of prayer over healing, but that's not all. You need to begin to seek the face of God. You see, we have many organizers, but few agonizers. We have many players, but few prayers, right? We have many singers, but few clingers. Everybody wants to be on the worship team, including myself. You know what Mike's looking for? People who are clinging to the cross, holding on to the cloak of Jesus Christ. We have many fears but few tears in our pulpits today. And we have lots of toys, but most of us have lost our joy. I don't want to be walking with the Lord without joy. I keep saying, if I didn't enjoy what I was doing, if I didn't have joy in doing what I'm doing, I'd go somewhere else and just make money. Why not? Right? I'm not saying it's always good. It's not always pleasant. I go home agonizing sometimes. I hurt when you hurt. I go through things with, with my sheep, if you will. But it's the joy of my heart to lead you and to guide you and to seek God with you and to serve alongside you. Man, I don't get any greater joy than that. When we roll up our sleeves and we do stuff for the community, my heart goes, just picks it up a notch. I really believe that the Lord wants to move in this church. I believe he wants to move in this community. Listen, if we fail here, if we fail in prayer, we fail everywhere. It's true. So I believe in order for God to move and to come in our, in our midst and for us to experience what I'm calling today's sermon, real revival, there's going to have to be four things that need to happen. 
The first one is to be repented. We need to be repented. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 tells us, You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third, fourth generations of those who hate me. Listen, I believe we are responsible for the past, the present, and future generations. That responsibility lays squarely on the church. It doesn't lay on our school system. It doesn't lay on the government. It doesn't lay on the civil leaders. It lays squarely on the shoulders of the church. We need to break sin's hold over our lives and the lives of our children. Yeah, but what I'm doing ain't hurting nobody. You want to bet? My daddy was an alcoholic. His daddy was an alcoholic. And I don't know about the rest of the genealogy. They're all a bunch of mess. And I went down that road, but guess what? My children, it's broken. The curse of sin is broken off of their life. True repentance, you know what it does? It, It lays an axe to the root of sin. See, you can't just pluck a root. You can't just... You just can't just trim the top of a weed, right? Ross, help me here. It's going to come back quickly. You've got to dig it out by the roots if you want that thing to be gone. And real revival does that. It begins to, to pull things out of your life that you know that you struggle with, that you know that you see the tendencies in your children. It lays an axe to that thing. Matthew chapter 3, verse 10 says, Even now the axe is laid to the root of trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Listen, man, if there's something in your life that's not producing good fruit, it's time to cut it down. And not just chop it off, but to dig it out, amen, to pull it out by the roots and to get rid of that thing. Whatever it is that you entertain in your quiet times, when you're alone and nobody else is looking, those things that are not pleasing to God, those are the things that we have to dismiss in our life. And that's what fasting does. It disciplines us, man. I'm hungry, but I'm not eating a cheeseburger. That means when I'm tempted by sin, I can say no to it too, amen? Because I'll tell you what, hunger is one of the strongest cravings any human being will ever have. Your sweet tooth? Ah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Man, we had to make peanut butter balls yesterday. Tried to bake them? (laughs) Actually, I ate about three of them because they were sweet. But it's the same approach, family. When, when, when we're fasting, we got to get this concept in our mind. It's the same approach to all sins in our life, all temptations, that we just say, no, I'm not going to do it. Thank you, Jerry, for playing along. This means that we're taking the responsibility for the iniquity in our world, and we're being burdened enough to own it. Nobody wants me to preach like this, I know. But I'm going to. We did a study last year. Probably one of my favorite studies that we did was in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. If you remember, Nehemiah, he was deeply burdened because the people were in great distress and the walls of Jerusalem had been burned down and in ruins. Remember, let's look at here, verses 3 through 4 in Nehemiah 1. It says, and they said to me, The survivors who left from captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. 
So it was when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He wept for the people with prayer and fasting. Last week I told you, I gave you that verse that says, some things only come out by prayer and fasting. There's some things that we can approach in prayer, and we can pray till we're blue in the face. We can pray all day long, 24-7. But if we're not fasting, if we're not showing God discipline, if we're not getting serious about the things of God, if we're not denying ourselves and disciplining, disciplining ourselves, there's some things. There's some things you've been struggling with, Christian, for a long time that you were saying, God, I just want this thing out. Nightly, it's a burden to you. You cry about it. You pray about it, and you're sincere about it. But I'm telling you, unless you're fasting, this thing ain't coming out. Oh, it's quiet now. He was broken over the condition of his homeland, and it motivated him to get serious with God. Are you broken over the condition of your city? Are you broken over the condition of your home? Are you broken over the condition of the church? Not necessarily Grapevine, but the church as a whole. I'm broken, and I'm motivated. Our city is broken, and it's in great distress. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel sees Jerusalem's been dormant for 70 years. 70 years. So he prayed, Lord, we have sinned. And he fasted. Look at this in Daniel chapter 9. Then I set my face toward the Lord to make requests and prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him. And with those who keep his commands, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled. Why did Daniel say we have sinned? Because of the man of God, he put himself in their shoes and he bore the responsibility for the sin in their camp. He took it upon himself, Lord, I'm not praying enough. I'm not, I'm not doing enough. I'm not involved enough. I'm, I'm not caring enough. I told you several months ago that, that there's only one thing worse than hate, and that's having apathy towards something. That's just not giving a rip about it. There's a lot of people today that don't give a rip about anything but themselves. And there's even people who are in the church that feel that way. It's all about me. Remember? I sang that last week. I'll try not to this week. The church needs to stop blaming the world. (laughs) We need to stop blaming others. We need to stop blaming Satan for the condition that it's in. And we need to focus the responsibility where it belongs. I wish I had a big mirror right now. (laughs) That responsibility belongs to us. This isn't a beat-me-up sermon. This is a sermon that says, hey, let's get serious. Let's be real. Let's Let's be crazy about the things of God. Let's wake up. I believe that we can do something. We don't have to watch our city fall apart. We don't have to watch our nation fall apart. I believe the Christians can do something about it. I don't care how you feel about Donald Trump. You better be praying for him. Well, like it or not, he's your president now. So pray for him. Pray for him. Honor him. That's what the Word of God teaches us. We want to point fingers. Oh, he calls the Russians the hack. Whatever. Did or didn't, I don't know. Russians are going to do what the Russians want to do. This is not a political sermon. 
There needs to be a time of corporate and personal repentance. I hope while you've been fasting and praying that you've been convicted of areas in your life of disobedience and complacency and apathy. I hope so. I hope that God has stirred something in you. You've recognized some areas, because we all have them. I have them. He's showed me some things. Hey, here's where you're missing it, Ron. Oh, thanks, Lord. I didn't know this was a tell-on-Ron session. I thought we were trying to get busy with the Lord, but that's what it's all about. If I'm serious about changing, that means there's some stuff in Ron that's got to change. There's some stuff that, that I need to deal with in my personal life. There's some things that I, that I need to strengthen in my life. Amen. There's some disciplines that i got to bring back in. And I'm the only one. Our, our prayer should be like David's in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Amen. Let's read that together. Create a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That should be our prayer. That should be our, our mantra. Amen. You know what? Let's pray. Let's pray right now. Let's pray that God would cleanse. Let's lift your hands with me just for a moment. Lord, cleanse us. Create in us a clean heart, God. Lord, that we would see the world through the lenses of Jesus' eyes. Lord, that our hearts would be broken for the things that break your heart, Lord, and that, that we would be repented and remove ourselves from any sinful situations, any thoughts or patterns in our life that are keeping us from the fulfillment and the fullness of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 The second thing we need to do to experience real revival is we need to be spirit-filled. We need to be spirit-filled. I'll say it again. We need to be spirit-filled. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. As broken vessels, check it out, we leak. I leak, you leak. That word be filled in the Greek, it really means to continue to be filled. It's not a one-time thing. It means that it's an ongoing process, that we, that we come to the water daily, that we come to the source daily. Be filled daily with the Holy Spirit. If I'm filled today and I don't go back to the well tomorrow, I'm going to leak out pretty quickly. The, world's, the world causes leakage. My job, well, not my job, but your job. <laughs> I got a good job. Causes leakage, amen. Life. Traffic, <laughs> people, <laughs> don't help me preach, y'all. You don't, you, don't, you don't want me going down that road. That, you know, Acts 2 tells us that they were all in one accord, and, the spirit, and then the Spirit fell on them. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to be them divided, to be, I can't talk, appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each other. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The idea here in the Greek is that the Holy Spirit came upon them and it overflowed them, and it overflowed from them. We need an overwhelming overflow of the Holy Ghost. 
I need an overwhelming overflow of the Holy Spirit. Revival will only come when we're together in one accord and through an outpouring of his Holy Spirit, which brings me to number three. We need to be reconciled or be in unity. The Bible teaches us that if, you, that if you've wronged somebody, you must forgive them. Or if somebody's wronged you, you must forgive them, right? Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We must be recon- reconciled to one another. We must. Man, if there's somebody in this room that you have ought against, you need to forgive them. You need to let it go. You need to let them be free. You need to let yourself be free. Forgiveness is powerful. And I'm telling you, unless we are unified in the body of Christ, unless our church is unified, we won't ever experience real revival. We'll get glimpses of it. We'll get manifestations of it. The Holy Spirit will move. God will show up. He'll do miraculous things. But revival, a reviving of of things of God, a a moving of His Spirit like we've never known before, we've got to be in one accord. That's why we've decided to stay at one service for a season so that, so that we can be unified so that first, second, first and second service people will, will know, hey, we all go to Grapevine, hallelujah. How many of you saw people when we first started doing this that you didn't know go to our church? Yeah, it happens, right? Uh, we came from a church of about 700 and there were two services there. There would be people that at that church for six, seven, eight years never knew they went to church together, knew each other in the community, but never knew that they went to church together. It's true, huh? He came from the same church. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. That's a long time. First John chapter 4, verse 20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I didn't say it. The word of God said it. I didn't call you a liar. I'd never do that. He's a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he sees... How can he love God whom he's not seen? Listen up, all you haters. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to. It's even in red here, so I didn't miss that part because I really, uh, I I thought, that's cute, that's cute. We'll just go there. There ain't none in this room, I know, but this is for the recording because those that are listening at home are probably... Relate more to that statement. Listen, though. Love is the key to real revival. Until we have unity in the body of Christ, we'll never experience it. I believe it. Here's the last thing. Be grounded. Be grounded. So we're digging up old roots, and we need to start growing new roots. We can... Tell it like it is, huh? <laughs> if we continue to fall back, we'll never make forward progress. The Christian walk, I know, I forgot my, my Pentecostal fan and towel. I thought about it during worship. The Christian walk is this. Is anybody, maybe this is just me, but this is how it's been for me for 20 years. Two, three steps forward, a step back. Right? Sometimes I get on a roll, I get a few, 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 
a few steps in there, four, five, six, seven steps, step backwards. But it's not the other way around. I see too many people in the church making several steps back, and they get up, and they take a step or two forward, and then they get knocked down, and they take a few more steps back, and, and that's not the way this thing's supposed to be. We need to be grounded. There are Christians today who have suffered defeat 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they've never re- recovered the ground that they've lost. There are Christians who have failed when confronted with temptation and with sin, and they just stopped. They gave up. They stopped trying. They, they just stopped looking for it. They, they are just lost. They don't know how to, how to get back on track. They turned back. There's Christians today who used to be passionate in prayer, who used to be zealous in their service to God, who used to be concerned for the loss, and, and who used to be used by the Lord in such a mighty way, who've lost ground, and they're sitting in the pews, and, and they're not doing anything for the kingdom because they're, they're hurt. Listen, be healed. Let your roots grow deep. Be healed. Stand up, man and woman of God. need to regain that ground. We need to recover the ground that we've lost. My pastor one time, he, he preached a sermon. It was called Yak. Y-A-K. And it wasn't Pastor Bill. It was Pastor Hill, the church I got saved in. Yards after contact. Or Y-A-C, excuse me. Contact with a K. Why not? It's common core English right there. It's football season, right? What is yards after contact? When, when the running back has the ball and he's running and he gets hit and he still makes yards, he still keeps press, pressing in. Man, that's what we need to do, Christian. Just because you got hit doesn't mean you have to fall down. You keep pressing in. You dig in. You stand your ground and you press on. Listen to me. 30 minutes of willful disobedience can result in 30 years out of fellowship and out of blessing of God. I've seen it. I've seen it, man. And if that's you, if if you've been disobedient for a season in your life, for a minute, and it's taken you out of the game, listen, get back up. Don't let it take 30 years. Don't let it it take a, uh, don't let it have to come to hitting rock bottom. Do it before you hit rock bottom. Get up, man. You have a a Lord who loves you. You have a, a Holy Spirit who empowers you, amen? You can do this. You can get back up. You might have been hit hard. You might have even been like, man, I'll tell you what. If Carr wouldn't have broken a leg, he'd be winning the Super Bowl. You might have broke a leg, but I'm telling you what. You can get up, and guess what? You can win the Super Bowl, amen? I'm not trying to preach a football sermon. I didn't even put in this football stuff in here. My yak thing was not even in here. It just kind of came to me, you know? But there is a way back. There's still hope. Here's, here's what somebody needs to hear. God uses people who have failed because there aren't any other kind. There aren't any other kind. All of us have failed at one time or another. We've all failed. We've all fallen short of the glory. We've all stubbed our toes, amen? We've all fallen, but it's time to get back up. God uses people who fail, amen, because it glorifies him more. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm closing with this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand. Against the wiles of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. We need to get back up. We need to reapply the armor of God to our life. We, you can stand up. Go ahead. I like that. I like it when people start standing before I ask them to. Listen. We will recover lost ground when we humble ourselves. We deal with our sin. We're obedient to his word. Acts 17, verse 30 says this. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. There's been a season in our life as we were growing and maturing that God looked, overlooked some of our ignorance. But he's commanding men everywhere, men and women, to stand, to take a stand, to put on the armor of God and to fight the enemy of your soul. Listen, the enemy can't have you. If you're in Christ, you're protected by the blood of Jesus. Amen. But he wants your friends. He wants your kids. He wants your family. He wants your coworkers. If he could take your resources and everything that you love so dearly and strip you bare naked, he'll do it. It's time to fight. Be humble. Or be humbled. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. First Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I just threw that in there. The end of my preparation, because I really felt like it was a word from the Lord. I really feel like the Lord says, It's your season your time for, for many of you in this room. You're about to, we talked last week, last couple weeks about increase in blessing. That God wants to pour out a blessing on your life so much that you won't be able to contain it. That, and that's revival. Talking about money. Put that out of your mind. If he wants to give it to you, praise God, bring it to the church, we'll use it. Just kidding. <laughs> there you go. Talking about an increase of his presence. You've been praying for people you love. You've been praying for family and friends who are not saved yet. Have you been seeking the Lord on behalf of a loved one, a child, a niece and nephew, an aunt and uncle? I want you to come to the altar right now. I want to pray for you. It's time that the church rose up and recovered the ground that we've given to the enemy of our soul. It's time that we won back our families and our churches. It's time that we reclaim the ground 
that was given to us by Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. It's time to rise up and show ourselves strong in the Lord. Heavenly Father, as people are even still coming this way, even myself, I, I question a close relative in, in her walk and I just want to know, I want to know, I want to hear her confess Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And Lord, there's many in, under the sound of my voice this morning that are praying for loved ones, children and grandchildren parents and aunts and uncles and friends and spouses. Lord, in Jesus' name, move on their hearts. Let there be a real revival. Lord, if there's anything in our heart, if there's any unforgiveness, if there's anything that we need to repent of, God, forgive us, Lord, so that we would be a representation of Jesus Christ to those who are around us, that they would look at our lives and they'd say, man, I just want what you have. You have, you have so much joy, even through the storm. You, you have so much peace, even when there's waves and trials around you. You have so much joy that's unspeakable. Let people want what we have and let us introduce them to the one that we have. with every head bowed in this place and every person praying. If you're here this morning and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, you've never given your life to Him. And you were like me 20 years ago and you were wandering around and you were doing drugs and you were looking for love in all the wrong places and you were just doing life your way but you were desperate. You were hurting. You were empty inside. You were lost and you just, you were crying out even to a, to a God that you didn't know saying, I just need something to change. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. The Lord sees your hands more important. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, so we're going to pray in a minute, and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you are saved. And so we're going to pray this and you need to believe this Confess it with your mouth, pray it out loud with everyone of us, and believe this in your heart. Guess what? Welcome to the family of God. Say this with me. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I need you in my life. Save me. Save my soul. Take me out of darkness. Bring me into the light. I say yes to you and no to the things of the world. No to darkness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Oh, come on. We can do better than that. Come on. Let's shout to the Lord in this place. Hallelujah.